Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for April the 13th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, then absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful Restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. A quick recap of Saturday's broadcast. By the way, I hope you had a delightful Resurrection Day weekend. Mine was absolutely a wonderful blessing, and I hope yours was as well as we celebrate God, family, and the freest country on the face of the earth. How many people have already had the coronavirus? It's a fair question, as people are starting to really get sick of being quarantined, and they're really starting to push back. The FDA authorizes first blood test for the virus, which means you can test the antibodies in your blood and say, you know what? Do you have the virus? Yes or no. Did you have it in the past? Yes or no. Or have you never had it? Interesting results are coming out of that all over the country now. People are starting to get a clue that a lot of people, many, many people have already had the virus and they're in the clear, if you will. Donald Trump to launch an opening our country task force. Good for President Trump. We've been hoping for this for a couple of weeks now and he's, you know what? He's working on it, folks. you got to give him some credit. President Donald Trump also participates in an Easter blessing. This was a tremendous comment for the president on Easter. Uh, and then it was a blessing by a Catholic bishop. Just a tremendous, tremendous soundbite. Uh, I was able to get that soundbite, play it on Saturday. I'm telling you right now, I've never seen a president at all in my lifetime. Or in even modern history, if you will, that has been willing to literally point straight to God for the solutions, folks. I mean, it was tremendous work by the president, I'm telling you right now. Amazing. And I played the whole six-minute soundbite before, and I don't, I don't have time to play it all again, although I wish I could. But I will play the first couple of seconds of it because I'm telling you, it sets the standard. I mean, it goes back to George Washington-esque kind of stuff. In my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. Well, thank you very much on this Good Friday. Christians from all around the world remember the suffering and death upon the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At Easter Sunday, we will celebrate his glorious resurrection. At this holy time, our nation is engaged in a battle like never before, the invisible enemy. Anyway, he goes on, but I'm telling you right now, he literally pointed to God, pointed to Easter, Put it to the solution. And then he didn't say some people will. He said we. I'm telling you, he deserves a lot of credit. It was tremendous. That six-minute soundbite, if you haven't heard it, you got to go listen to the Saturday show at libertyroundtable.com, second hour. No, no, no. First hour. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, Donald Trump, um, it, there's a report saying that he's telling advisors he wants to open the country by May 1st. The lockdown's out of control, and we've got to get back to work. The president's spot on right. The only question left is how do we do it, and how do we do it right? And I even made a proposal last week. I hope President Trump gets that information, and we can work on this together as a people, because this is a tremendous, we better seize the day, if you will, uh, opportunity. Mr. Barr said 
in a Fox News interview that he trusts the American people to adhere to social distancing guidelines on their own. And again, you know what? They told us about masks before, and then they admitted, well, we only told you you didn't need masks because we needed them for the medical professionals. The only reason they need us to social distance is not that we won't get the virus. They want to slow down how fast we get the virus or how many gets the virus so we don't overwhelm the medical systems, okay? But they know uh, most of us are going to end up getting it if we haven't already had it. What we don't know is how many people have already had it, how many people can go, to, uh, go back to work how soon. That's what we need to work on big time. But opening the country is of paramount importance, folks. Let's work on it. In fact, Utah County Commissioner, a guy by the name of Tanner Ainge, wants Utah open for business. Great idea. I commend him for that stance. Retail workers are saying not enough social distancing is being practiced in Utah. People are getting too close to one another. Hey, respect people's space, folks. That's all. In a recent chilling video, the police of Greenville, Mississippi ticketed people who were sitting in their cars with windows rolled up listening on the radio to their preacher. They were in a church parking lot. They were all practicing appropriate guidelines, doing a great job. But the cops just had a cow, started fining vehicles $500 apiece, forcing people to roll down their windows and deal with the police. Nobody had masks on. The police violated social distancing, collected a big bunch of money. If these same people had been in their cars listening to the radio at a Home Depot parking lot, this wouldn't have even been an issue. What's up with all that? Basically, ladies and gentlemen, we need to learn how to stay social during social distancing. There's a lot we can do. And I'm telling you, shutting down the churches and leaving abortion clinics and, and, and normalcy for other places is wrong and needs to stop. That's where we need to push back super hard. We also talked about, uh, I guess there's a major hurricane season predicted for this season. Uh, and they expect a bunch of hurricanes and, you know what, increased landfall likelihood as well. And I go back and say natural and uh, God and or man-made disasters come when we don't obey the commandments of God, folks. Let this be a revival for the nation, please. Second hour, we talked to two people, uh, Sheriff Richard Mack and Dr. Shiva. Now, Dr. Shiva is the founder of email. Now, I know it's not like Al Gore. He's the real founder of email, folks. And um, anyway, he's uh, talking about what's going on. He says, listen, this coronavirus is not about what they're telling us. They're whipping us up into panic and fear unnecessarily. He says it is all about a healthy immune system. He says we need deep social connections. Without it, we get sick. He's right. He says we need plenty of fresh air, exercise, and sleep. Yeah. Cut sugar out of your diet. Make sure to get lots of vitamin C, D, and A. He talked about two huge concerns with this coronavirus lockdown. He says, number one, top-down government health care. Even the Democrats have been pushing for this, but the Republicans fought it pretty successfully, but now they're going aboard too. So top-down government health care is a big concern. And then the deep state surveillance regarding this, he says, is a great threat. These two things, great threats to liberty. Dr. Shiva's right. He also talked about tech giants are now teaming up. For tracing the infected, you literally got all the big cell phone companies agreeing to work together to create an application to track your cell phone everywhere it goes and how close it gets to other people. And then to create a database to say, hey, who's had the virus or who's going to have who did have the virus or the hotspots of the virus and literally letting government and individuals know when or if you have a certain issue relating to the coronavirus, this tracking database will be disaster. 
Kurt Crosby's with me. That's a recap. Kurt, you want to respond to this one? Well, um, let's see. Re- respond to that. Uh, you're talking about the last, uh, the guest you're saying and what he had to say. Anything you'd like, sir? Oh, very good. Uh, you know, I really appreciated the uh, Easter blessing uh, or the Easter, uh, you know, message from the president. Yeah, amen uh, to that, sir. Tremendous. And then, of course, uh, you know, this, this guest that you're talking about, that, uh, you know, the inventor of the email and stuff, uh, you know, tremendous uh, guest. And, you know, he'd be a great person to have on the uh the president's roundtable, the president's advisors, you know, Amen. all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I don't think he's part of the swamp, as far as I can tell. No, Dr. Shiva's not part of the swamp. He told on the program on Saturday, too, that, uh, you know, the Trump administration is aware of his uh, his work and his efforts. Because remember, uh, Dr. Shiva's running for Senate as well. And so he's talked to the president's son and a variety of different people. And he's confident that the president's aware of him and his information. So what will be done with that, I can't say. I'm just telling you that he, that he pretty much doubled down and said, listen, the president's aware of what I'm doing, and I'm here to help. So he was not critical of the president. He did say that, um, you know, the swamp is pretty deep, and it's very hard. He, he was very critical, though, uh, of Fauci. And I can see why. He just says Fauci either is ignorant and doesn't know the truth about the immune system. Uh, but Fauci has been involved in whipping up frenzy in the past. Fauci tried to connect AIDS and HIV and create a frenzy back in the day. And so this is not, you know, Fauci's first rodeo when it comes to this kind of stuff, Kurt. And uh, now I hear whisperings that Trump might fire Fauci, and I pray that gets done. Okay, I'm not here to attack Fauci in any wrong way. I'm just here to say I don't believe his information is legitimate or valuable. I think he... um, I don't know what his agenda is, but every time the guy turns around, he's promoting some kind of tyrannical approach uh, to things. And I go a lot. Well, I go in the way of the people who believe in natural health and healing solutions and freedom for the people. That's the way I go. Hey, uh, Lowell Nelson's with us. Campaign for Liberty dot org. Welcome back, my friend. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Good did to you, be with you. Did you hear the president's speech on Friday along with the Catholic bishop prayer on Good Friday, sir? Yes, sir, I sure did. It was tremendous, wasn't it? Absolutely wonderful. It was substantive, too. Um, You know, we have a lot of politicians nowadays who take advantage of these opportunities um, or occasions, you know, holidays and so forth, to send their greeting. Most of them are fluff. But in the case of the the president's, um, you know, Easter wishes, um, it was substantive, as was uh, the, the Easter greeting from Ron Paul. Yes, it was. We'll get into that in just a minute. You're spot on right. And all I'm telling you is I have never seen a president uh, speak like that or behave like that. Uh, the mainstream press is pretty much ignoring it, too, Lowell. I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, it was a beautiful uh, message, a beautiful prayer, uh, and I, I believe it was a heartfelt prayer, too. I think representative of the amazing number of people in our country who yet today believe in God and seek Him in prayer and in devotion and exemplary lives. Amen to that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we got to rock and roll. First, a quick caller, Kevin, in seconds. Then we'll come back. we got a COVID-19 update, a whole lot of interesting information. Ron Paul's message on Easter, he's spot on, too. we got a lot to cover with Lowell in seconds on your radio. Hang tight, folks. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault... 
Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheep herder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. All right, Kevin in Utah, quick. We got a lot to cover today. Go, sir. You're on the radio with Lowell Nelson, Kirk Cosby, and Sam Bushman, sir. Hi, Sam. I listened to Ammon Bundy's speech yesterday, and I was not impressed. I found it to be very irreverent, and I really felt empty inside when I heard it. Did you get a chance to see it or hear it? I haven't listened to it. Email me, LibertyRoundTable at Gmail. Email me the link. I'll check it out. I have not heard Ammon, uh, Ammon's speech uh, at all on that. Uh, like I say, I know that he was helping a church find a place to meet yesterday. Uh, there's a lot of rumors and death threats and things against Ammon. And my response is, I call for restraint. Ammon has every right to think and believe and say what he wants to. This is America, not China. You can agree or disagree, and so can I. That's fine, but let's all be peaceful and respectful to one another. And I have not heard the speech, so I can't really comment. Have you heard it, Lowell or Kurt? No, I have not, Sam. Kurt? I haven't either. I'll All right, so send it to me, libertyroundtable at gmail.com. Kevin, I'll take a listen. I just don't know. I don't have any answers. Although I have a lot of respect for Ammon, and I agree whether, you oh, know, I do too. whether we agree or disagree with everything he says or does. I get the frustration in America for people, though. People are getting really frustrated with how tyrannical our government's becoming. Uh, and even good patriots who used to agree on a lot of things are starting to disagree with regards to how uh, the nation's moving forward. And one person reminded me of something over the weekend that I think is really important to remember. President Trump isn't locking people down. It's the governors. And uh, you could say, well, President Trump's given that guidance. Yes, he has. He's given guidance to be very careful. But governors have ultimate authority. Remember, this is the um, 10th Amendment reality check where states have a lot more authority than the federal government and a lot more responsibility for their actions. And when it's left to the states and to the people respectively, Donald Trump has honored that. So give him some credit. When it comes to the governors, though, many of them are acting very tyrannical. Many of the county leaders are acting very tyrannical. And we need to push back against them to have it stop. We need to nullify now. 
And you know what? Um, the Texas governor, we'll get to this in a bit, thinking about even getting back to work. So, you know, there's a lot going on here uh, to keep juggling. Kevin, any last quick, any last quick item? Um, yeah, just real quick. Uh, the, he had a pastor on that reminded me of a black preacher just yelling and screaming. And it just really rubbed me the wrong way. I'll send you the Yeah, send it. We'll check it out. We'll go from there. I don't mean to be rude. I just don't know enough about it to really comment intelligently and fairly. Uh, I know I have a lot of respect for Ammon, and I come out of the gate wanting to defend Ammon from everything I've seen from him before and knowing that he's a personal good friend that I'm telling you, I feel like I know Ammon's heart, and it's good. So I'll just have to listen to it uh, to see what I think. All right, without further ado, though, let's move to uh, COVID-19 update. Lol. Well, thank you, Sam. Uh, this here bark is uh, much worse than the bite, meaning the governmental response to the virus is doing far more damage than the actual virus itself. And I take as evidence of, uh, in support of this, uh, this claim, a story out of India. Now, now, why, people are going to wonder, why are you talking about India? I mean, right? Well, the reason is because India is wanting to follow in the footsteps of other uh, so-called leading countries, you know, civilized nations, such as the United States, such as the U.K., such as, you know, you know the countries uh, of, of China and so forth, right? And, and so India wants to be doing the right thing, the politically correct thing, and so back on, on and, 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 and so my, my reason for bringing this story up is, is to show that India is doing something, basically following the example of other nations down the wrong pathway, and, and we're going to talk about what's happening there that's really messing up the country and, and why it's so important for us in the United States to set the proper example, uh, the, 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 the example that Sweden is setting, um, of, uh, of not locking down the country. Well, so what's happening in the, India? This, this story I, I found at lourockwell.com, and it's written by an Indian named uh, Jayant Bandari. I, 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 I'm butchering that name, but uh, Jayant Bandari. Um, anyway, uh, so on March 24th, the Prime Minister of India, whose name is Narendra Modi, let's call him Modi or Prime Minister Modi, he appeared on television and declared a complete and total lockdown everywhere in the country for 21 days. And let me be clear, this isn't the lockdowns we're experiencing. This is virtually a martial law lockdown, much further than they've gone anywhere in America. I'm not defending what they've done in America, but it's not near as far as this kind of martial law lockdown either, right? Exactly right, Sam. Now, this is a country of 1.38 billion people. You're talking about a fifth of the whole world, really, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and basically, you know, three, five times, three, four or five times larger than the population of the U.S. Uh, under full house arrest. Okay, so one and nearly one and a half billion people under full house arrest. People were told not to leave their homes, not to go out for walks, not to walk their dogs, and they were told that all offices, factories, shops, etc., had to be shut entirely. All the highways and roads were to be blocked. One of the biggest train networks in the world came to a sudden standstill for the first time in its 167-year history. Trains stopped wherever they were when the lockdown began, leaving passengers stranded. We're not talking about just a few dozen passengers. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of Indians stranded where, they, where, the, where the train stopped. Right? Every single flight, domestic as well as international, was canceled. And 
the only part of the economy, Sam, that was left to be still open were were medicine shops and grocery stores. <laughs> now, of course, Modi's advisors and, and speechwriters, all of who are, are yes men, of course, in that country, had forgotten to consider how people would buy food if they could not leave home. Now, now this is it is ironic. It is amazing, Sam. You're told you can't leave your house. You can't go out for walks, but they tell that the medicine shops and grocery stores to remain open. Nobody can go buy groceries because they can't leave their home. But again, this is typical of people drunk with power whenever they don't have checks and balances. And this is why I tell you that America, even though we've lost a lot of freedoms, is still one of the greatest countries on the face of the earth for this very reason. There is restraint in checks and balances, and there is common sense brought to the table in checks and balances, right? That's right. Now, Fauci would want this to be an authoritarian state much more so than it is. And that's why I'm attacking Fauci. And until Trump gets Fauci off his administration, to some degree, I'm going to push back against the Trump administration. I agree with with uh, guys like Ben Carson who say, listen, we got to get back to work in the life. Ninety eight percent of the people aren't seriously negatively infected by the Corona 19 or coronavirus. Uh, so we've got to get back to work. We, we can't make this worse than it already is. Ben Carson, a well-known physician, speaking out clearly in opposition to Fauci. I'm with the Ben Carson crew. Yeah, me too, and I'm so glad you had Dr. Shiva on on Saturday because I he he he's advocating that middle of the road approach too, which is to you know let the more vulnerable of our citizenry self isolate, let them protect themselves. Meanwhile, let the young, the healthy, the vibrant, those who have already uh, encountered the virus and developed antibodies for it, to it. I mean, all of that. If if you if you want to risk the virus, do it. Just get back to work, get the economy going again. And uh, I really appreciated Dr. Shiva's, uh, your interview with him on Saturday. Um, so, so back to India, those who went to buy groceries, as you might imagine, Sam, were ruthlessly beaten by the police. Okay? So you have to go out and eat. I mean, look at India. Most of the people in India, they don't have refrigerators, right? They have to purchase their produce and what they're going to eat every day. That's something they do every day. They go buy their food to eat. Well, they can't even go outside because they get beat up by the police. Yeah, not only do they not have refrigerators or the ability for long-term storable food, they don't have the finances to garner that long-term storable food very easily either. Exactly right, Sam. So a couple of days after the March 24th shutdown declaration, when the government realized their mistake, they, they opened a window to let people go out to buy groceries. And the police, however, by then had already put itself in the, you know, basically we're, we're here to beat up anybody we see on the street, right? So despite the, the, the political window that the, the, the main government opened up for people so they could go out and buy stuff, the police had already been in the habit of beating the people that they found outside their homes. And so they continued to beat the people after, you know, who they found outside their homes, even after this so-called window opened up, you know, for them by the main government. So basically, here's, here they are hungry, they're homeless, the migrant workers and those stuck at the wrong places because the train system has stopped. We're talking about people with hundreds of miles away from their home, right? When the, when the train stopped running, they were still hundreds of miles from their home, and they and what could they do? Well, they start walking for home, and they encounter police brutality on every on every side on their way to try to get home. Uh, it's just it's it's um, it's 
bizarre, Sam, that we have this happening today in a modern modern day. Well, and, and nobody's criticizing that, right? They're criticizing guys like me for bringing alternative infa- information forward. But these Indian, you know, and other countries are locking down so hard. And we don't see any less cases of death in their communities either. No, we don't, Sam. And we'll talk about Sweden. We can talk about Sweden even more. Now, when we come back, but we'll do it. We also want to talk about Ron Paul's Easter greeting because I think it's spot on too. We'll do it in seconds, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. The U.S. is leading the world now in the number of coronavirus deaths. Dr. Anthony Fauci of the White House Coronavirus Task Force says there are some good signs when it comes to the numbers of hospitalizations and ventilator incubations, but he also says he doesn't want to make it a premature decision to ease up on social distancing. If you just say, okay, it's whatever, May 1st, click, turn turn the switch on, Obviously, if you do it in an all-or-none way, there's an extraordinary risk of there being a rebound. They're in cleanup mode across much of the South today after a deadly Easter Sunday tornado outbreak. At least seven deaths are blamed on those twisters. Oil prices are now mixed after OPEC and its allies agreed to historic production cuts in the face of a glut of oil. And this is USA Radio News. Balance of Nature. Changing the world, one life at a time. When you hear all this stuff on the radio, you know, you're like, yeah, right. So when I heard the Balance of Nature commercial, I was like, yeah, right. You know, how can those pills give you more energy? But the amazing thing is it does. It works. All the claims of Balance of Nature work. I mean, I have more energy. Before I started taking Balance of Nature, I would walk up the hill from feeding the horses and I'd just be dragging. And I'm like, I hate feeling this way. I've got years more to live. I don't want to feel tired all the time. And now I have plenty of energy. I used to have to, you know, always say, okay, I'm going to take a nap at 2 o'clock because I'm so tired I can't stand it, you know, and now eh, I'm taking a nap in weeks. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. A former U.S. Senate aide who claimed that former Vice President Joe Biden harassed her in the late 1990s is now saying he sexually assaulted her. Tara Reid claims that in the spring of 1993, Biden put his hand under her skirt after she brought him his gym bag. Biden's presidential campaign says the claim is not true. Reid says she told former staffers, including Biden's former chief of staff, Ted Kaufman, and his longtime executive assistant, Marianne Baker, about harassment at the time. But both of them said they have no recollection of the claim. The massive statue of Christ... The Redeemer, overlooking Rio de Janeiro, is honoring medical workers fighting coronavirus around the world. The statue was lit up on Easter Sunday to look like a doctor while the city's archbishop celebrated Mass at the base of the huge statue. And you're listening to USA Radio News. 
All right, Lowell, we got to rock and roll, buddy. I'm so sorry we're running out of time faster than I want. Uh, so you got a complete lockdown in India, police beatings, literally martial law, one point what three billion people or something like that. I mean, out of control, right? Yeah, absolutely, Sam. And Almost one point four billion people. In contrast to that, though, you got Sweden, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, Sweden has not issued lockdown in their country. They have basically pretty libertarian approach, hands-off approach to this whole virus thing, and they are not experiencing the the uh, you know death and and uh, hospitalization rates any greater or less than you know surrounding neighbors. All right, write down this as an opinion, and remember who told it to you first. I believe the coronavirus has been around in the United States since last fall, and I believe more people have had it than you can possibly imagine, and we're closer to herd immunity than we think, and I believe that uh, locking down society actually creates the increased spread of the virus, and you would say, Sam, how can that happen when, you know, we're doing social distancing, and uh, because what you do is you get people stuck inside. They don't have fresh air. And yes, somebody's got to go outside to the store, but then they bring it back and everybody's infected because people don't have the normal things, sunlight, fresh air, uh, fresh water. They don't have the social relationships that they're used to. So they're in panic mode and their stress levels goes through the roof. I believe it's actually spreading the virus to be locked down and quarantined. Uh, And it's hard to prove that I'm right. But it's also hard to prove that they're right. And what they would say is, where's proof to your claim, Sam? And I would say, well, the only proof I have is that you go start doing antibody tests and you'll find out more and more people have already had this thing. How could that be? And you get into this uncomfortable reality that it's been around a whole lot longer than we think and it's spread a whole lot further than we think. They don't want that discussion. And the reason they don't want that discussion is primarily based on Ron Paul's Easter greeting to make the point. Lowell? Right. He said he basically encouraged us to push back against the state's attempt to undermine our freedoms. But he said this, quote, the government is using the threat of this virus to further gut our first, second, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, ninth, or seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth amendments, all under the guise of keeping us safe from the threat du jour. Uh, He says the state uses their power to take away our freedoms. If we wish to survive as a free society, we must begin to exercise some of that eternal eternal vigilance Jefferson spoke of against an ever more oppressive state. And that is exactly what we intend to do. If the people demand change, the politicians will listen. End of quote. Anyway, so Ron Paul's con- uh, comments and Easter greeting, hey, we live in the freest, best country on the face of the earth. We need to turn to God. Is primarily the focus, and then hey, we got to stop government from locking us down and doing the very opposite. Very clear column from Ron Paul. Yeah, and substantive too, Sam. It's not like the usual politician fluff letter that says, "Yeah, we wish to, you know, you know, uh, wish everybody here, you know, bless, uh, all of my constituents a happy Easter, and hope that you're staying safe and staying calm and blah blah blah." But, I mean, he came through with a real message, and I so appreciate his doing it. He's kind of like the Kind of like the, the Ben Franklin of our day in many, many ways, Sam. He recognizes the real threat to our freedom, not the threat du jour, <laughs> as he calls it. I love it, the way he puts that. I mean, the, the government loves boogeymen. In fact, they create boogeymen in order to come forth with another solution that, that, that further compromises our liberty, erodes our freedom. And uh, so anyway, that's... I really appreciate Ron Paul and his wisdom. Family. We encourage you to read Ron Paul's column about this incredible stuff, by the way. Um, CampaignForLiberty.org is where it can be found. Check it 
out indeed. Now, uh, the Texas in Texas has been a pretty big lockdown. I've got friends and people that I know in Texas. They say they're not even allowed to leave their apartment or their house uh, without having a mask on, or else. It, so it's a very serious lockdown in Texas. Sadly, so. And again, this is what we would push back against, folks. These mandates. But now the Texas governor wants to reopen Texas for business. Well. And it's kind of reminiscent of what Trump wants to do. Trump wants to reopen the nation. He announced And good for both of them, by the way. Absolutely true. And so this Texas governor, Greg Abbott, last Friday, he announced that he will issue an executive order this week, quote, talking about what will be done in Texas about reopening Texas businesses also in a way that will be safe that for for that economic revitalization. Now, I'm going to argue a little bit with doing this because I don't think we need a new executive order. What we need is a rescinding of the executive order that pretended he had authority to shut it down in the first place. So I get a little worried when we go from one executive order to the next to supposedly wield power over power over power. What we need to do is simply say, look, I put an order in place. I now need to rescind it, not create another executive order. Because what you create is a, is a trail of case law or a trail of the color of law where you uh, suggest the governor has this authority when he doesn't in the first place. I know it sounds like a technicality, but it's important in the ideal to understand uh, educationally speaking. Now, I get the real, I understand, but I also want to educate to the ideal and teach these principles. Rescind it, don't create a new one. Sounds like a simple matter, but I think it's critically important to understand who has authority and when, Lowell. Well, that's a great point, Sam. I hadn't thought of that, but uh, you're absolutely right. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, you know, this issuing of an executive order to lock everything down is totally outside the bounds of his authority, in my opinion. I don't, I don't, I haven't read the Texas state constitution, but my guess is that there is no authority given in that constitution for the governor to lock down his state. And what you do when you create new executive orders on top of an executive order is you say, well, I had complete authority to shut it down. Therefore, I have authority to control the opening and how it works and who can do what when. And I create this middle ground. Pretty soon, we're just living off of an orders of somebody who's making law from the wrong branch of government is what you end up with is the point. Yeah, you're exactly right, Sam. And But I was encouraged that he's, you know, there is a governor out there taking steps. I'm also doubly encouraged, like the, the governor of South Dakota, governor of North Dakota, they have refused to lock down their state. There are five states in the, in the union right now, Sam, that have refused to issue lockdown orders. So hats off to them, kudos to them for refusing to follow the crowd on this thing. Yeah, Wyoming's one of them, North and South Dakota's two others. Utah's one of them. The governor has not locked down in Utah, at least uh, the same way as other states have either. It's levels of lockdown we're talking about, but there's there's five to seven states that have simply refused. And that's exemplary. We need more states to, to, to join them and, uh, and, and, and just rescind the lockdown orders. You're exactly right, Sam. In fact, they really ought to admit that they didn't have the authority to do that in the first place, although I'm doubtful that we'll ever hear any of that. So what's this middle road that uh, we're talking about? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's the middle road that Dr. Shiva recommended. Um, I listened to a 90-minute presentation that he gave last week on this very issue, and uh, obviously he says, let's protect the most vulnerable, those whose immune systems are weak, let them, is- let them self-isolate, but, let- but, uh, but encourage them to get sun- good uh, sunshine and fresh air every day. In other words, self-isolate doesn't necessarily mean you have to hibernate inside your house or your, you know, uh, the, uh, the uh, old folks' home or whatever. You should always get out and get some fresh air and sunshine every day. And 
uh, especially the older folks who are more likely able to afford and handle the isolation, right, because they're not working anymore. They're just, uh, you know, they, they can handle the self-isolation far better than the young bucks who need to be earning money for their families to support their families instead of adding their names to the long list of unemployment, unemployed here in this country. So let the young ones out, take the risk, whatever, that people say there's out there, risk of getting the virus. And uh, the, really, the rest of the world should not destroy itself trying to protect us from ourselves, right? In this current COVID response, governmental response situation, we've really pitted health, you know, public health against the economy. And we either you're going to save lives by going on total lockdown or we go back to business as usual and sacrifice the lives of, of those most at risk, right? I mean, that's the, the gambit right now. That's the, uh, the rock and the hard place. But if this middle-of-the-road approach maximizes protection for seniors and for vulnerable people while letting the young and the healthy with proven immunity to the virus get back to work. Yes, now let's be very careful when we talk about isolation of the elderly, though. We need to let the elderly make their own decisions. If an elderly yeah. person says, listen, I'm 83 years old. I've lived a great life. I'm healthy right now. I want social life. I want normal life. I want to live life. And if I get it and pass away, so be it. What I'm telling you is I, I support that we give them all the protection. If they choose it, we can by all means. But we sure. should never take away their liberties because of their age. And if you're not careful, a wise listener brought this up. And, and to me, it was obvious, but it's worth pointing out, sadly. Um, you know what? Just because of their age, we don't take away their liberties either, Lowell. Absolutely right, Sam. Yeah. And I, to me, it's given. They so used I didn't to call that age discrimination, you know. Well, that's only true when it's not the government it up. It, you know. Yeah, good point. But you're right, Kurt. And, and this is, we need to be very careful. To me, it was an obvious thing. So I didn't even mention it, but a listener says, Sam, you got to point that out. It might be obvious to you because you're a liberty-loving guy, but it isn't obvious uh, to bureaucrats and professional do-gooders everywhere. And so i got to highlight that because the listener's absolutely spot on, Kurt. Amen. All right, Lowell. Okay. Yeah, absolutely right, Sam. Now, I wanted to talk about one other thing here. We might have to do this across the break, but there are two experiments, Sam, that have never been done. Never been done. Two experiments I want to talk about. One is the PCR diagnostic test, and one is the test for COVID-19. Yeah, and therefore, ladies and gentlemen... Researchers can't make true claims without these experiments being conducted. We'll talk about it. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God, the Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education, conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. 
I'd advise Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. The press has created a rigged system. They even want to try and rig the election. Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. And poisoned the mind of so many of our voters. At the polling booths, where so many cities are corrupt and voter fraud is all too common. And then they say, oh, there's no voter fraud in our country. I come from Chicago. So, so I want to be honest. It's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have to. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to, you know, tilt things in their direction. There's no one. You start whining before the game's even over. Whenever things are going badly for you and, and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. Then you don't have what it takes to be in this job. The article we're talking about is up on LewRockwell.com, ladies and gentlemen. John Rappaport talking about two experiments that have never been conducted. And the fact is, let me be very clear. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, researchers can't make a true claim to have discovered a, quote, new disease-causing virus until these kind of experiments are conducted because it's conjecture. And there isn't scientific evidence at all. There's hype and hysteria and confusion and manipulation, but there is no evidence and proof whatsoever they've even admitted 25 percent of the people don't even know they're infected they've admitted that over 85 percent don't even have any serious symptoms at all then they've admitted literally that less than one percent of the population even dies and 90 percent of those or more have underlying conditions i could go on and on and on and on nevertheless these two experiments uh lowell will break down for you quickly lowell Right, Sam. The first one is uh, is about the accuracy of the PCR diagnostic test. Now, the PCR diagnostic test is the one test that is so widespread for COVID-19. Uh, doctors are using this all over the place, and uh, they believe they can predict illness in the real world uh, using this test. Well, PCR means polymerase chain reaction. Now, this is a method used widely in molecular biology to make billions of copies of a specific DNA sample rapidly, which allows scientists to take a very small sample of DNA, amplify it to a large enough amount to study it in detail. Well, John writes, this experiment's never been done. It should have been done before the PCR was ever permitted to make claims about the quantity of virus that is replicating in a patient's body. Quantity, he says, is vital because in order to even begin talking about whether a virus can cause disease, millions and millions of virus must be actively replicating in the patient's body. So he describes this experiment like this. He says, get together a group of 500 volunteers, some sick, some healthy, take a tissue sample from each volunteer, give that sample to a PCR technician, but don't allow the technician to know or see the volunteer's to know whether which ones are sick and which ones are healthy. Also, all he gets is a sample. And then he runs the tissue sample through the PCR, and, and he reports which viruses they found in that sample and how much of it they found in that sample. And uh, and, 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 and that way, the PC, the, those who promote this PCR test as a diagnostic tool claim that running a, a tissue sample through the PCR test, that you should be able to tell whether that person is going to be sick from the virus or not. And or well, spread it to others. Yes, exactly. 
so then you you and so you get this report from the the group of PCR technicians, and then you give the very same samples to another set of PCR technicians. Hold on, blindly test. so, meaning that they don't even know that they've been tested or not beforehand by somebody else, and they don't know who tested them, and they don't know which ones are positive or negative. You don't know which ones just have antibodies, meaning they've been sick, but yet they're not sick now. You have no idea the status of either in, in either case. It's double blind. Go ahead. Exactly right. And then having repeated that experiment, you compare the test results and see whether the PCR diagnostic tool is actually an accurate uh, a test. And, and, and see, because they're assuming the tools are correct. We don't even know that for a fact. And to say so without the evidence and the experience to back it up is flat-out fake news dishonesty, and the scientists know it. That's exactly right, Sam. All right, and that's the very reason that we're pushing back on this so hard. Because they're making these crazy claims, locking us all down, taking away liberties like we've never seen in our lifetime on this idea that we don't really have evidence. Now, let's talk about the second uh, study because it's just as vital. Right. And this is the study that the experiment concerns the discovery of COVID-19 in a person, right? So John writes, first of all, there's no lab procedure that can climb inside the human body in real time and record the active replication of millions of viruses. Let me stop you there. That's why we've got to isolate it and do it in the lab or else there's no other way. The first study makes that point is what I'm saying. Yes. The closest you can come, he says, involves the use of electron microscopy and, and so basically under electron microscope. Suspecting the existence of a new disease causing virus Researchers should line up several hundred people who seem to have the new disease, take a tissue sample from each one, and then use the correct steps of centrifuging these samples. Specimens of the results should be examined and photographed under the electron microscope. And then in every one of those photos taken by the electron microscope, ask the researchers to identify particles of a virus they've never seen before. And then compare the results of those researchers. And they can't, and they can't, and this is the reason they won't do these two studies, because number one, exactly. what you'll find is you'll find that we've proven that it was engineered in a lab. All these are naturally occurring. They've just simply cobbled these viruses together to um, weaponize them. And so you won't find a new virus at all. What you'll find is pieces of old viruses strung together in a new man-made manipulation called weaponization is what you're going to find. And they don't want to go down that road of discussion at all, sir. And the evidence that I would give is why are they ignoring these two tests, these two reality studies that could literally double down and confirm, um, one, how it acts in the body, two, confirm that it's a new disease they've never seen before, as they claim. Um, they would have to admit to all that. Well, then you got to ask the other obvious question. Why is it being weaponized? Who's doing it? And why and who is locking us down and destroying our rights over this? You start to get a real uncomfortable conversation, Lol. <laughs> exactly right, Sam which is why they do not want these tests to happen. They will never do these experiments. And then anybody who does these experiments will claim, oh, that's just uh, false science. That's fake science. And uh, they'll poo-poo that and, and won't let that get out. So they're, they're, they're governing the dialogue. The lamestream media is, again, dictating what the people hear and the sheeple are buying a hook, line, and sinker, Sam. The problem is, who knows what? Does President Trump know enough? I submit that he doesn't. I think he's doing the best that he can. Does Fauci know? I think he does. Uh, does um, Dr. Shiva and others know? Yes, and they're calling the bluff on it. So there are people and scientists that are willing to stand up. They're just far and few between because most of the people, if they stand up, will lose their government grants for research. They'll lose everything. They'll lose their career. They'll be completely attacked. 
Uh, I don't want to blame it on China. Uh, there seems to me to be people in the world, and I don't believe it's country-specific, that want to take away our liberties. And sadly, people like uh, President Trump and others uh, are um, receiving the uh, – well, they're having to make the difficult decisions on the front lines, but, but they're being betrayed by people behind them, uh, in my humble opinion. All right, there's a, an article that Tom Woods, I should say it's an interview Tom Woods did with a guy that we need to cover too. I don't like the title, and I'll tell you why in a second, but it says this, the benefits of price gouging. Tell the story, Lowell, and then I'll explain why I don't like the term. Okay. He, Tom Woods interviewed a fellow named David Henderson, who's a research fellow at Stanford University's uh, Hoover Institute basically a professor of economics, and they talked about uh, price gouging, and, and I don't like the term either, Sam, but I'll let you talk about that. In the wake of the current spindemic, they call it, um, I, 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 or I call it a spindemic, I call it a plandemic, a spindemic, um, I thought it'd be helpful just to discuss this briefly. As you know, Sam, hurricanes can do a lot of damage in Florida and its neighboring states. We'll probably see a lot more of that this upcoming hurricane season this year as the God of nature begins, you know, uh, trying to remind us that we need to turn to him. Anyway, several years ago, knowing of a hurricane heading towards Florida, the people in Georgia prepared to haul plywood to Florida so the homeowners there could board up their houses to protect against broken windows. Well, these do-gooders began to rent semi-trailers and fill them with plywood, but then something happened. They aborted their plans when they heard that the governor of Florida had ordered that plywood sold in Florida must be sold at a fair, quote-unquote, fair price. Well, in other words, if a piece of plywood was sold for a dollar a sheet before the hurricane came, and, and, and then it would have to be sold for a dollar a sheet in, 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 the, in the face of the imminent arrival of the hurricane, instead of allowing the price to go up to like two, three, four, maybe five dollars a sheet. Well, the people in Georgia were depending on that increase in price uh, in, in order for them to, 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 to have the, the means, the financial means to, to purchase this plywood and ship it to Florida, you know, to truck it to Florida. They would have to have an, an, a higher price in order to make that a viable solution for them, right? A viable uh, act of commerce. Well, because the, the people of, uh, I mean, the governor of Florida set a ceiling on that price, then the plywood from Georgia never materialized and leaving the people in Florida unable to obtain the plywood they sought because it sold out so quickly, leaving numerous homeowners without any plywood at all to board up their houses. And that is why the price signaling that occurs in a free market is so helpful in, in attracting more product or more service to an area where there seems to be a shortage, Sam. All right. All right. And the reason I don't like the term price gouging is because it betrays the free enterprise system. Yeah. Okay? It makes it sound like somebody is just belligerently crazy. They've got their own self-interest or they've got some kind of dictatorial control uh, or, you know, a monopoly on things or something like that. Temporarily, that may be so, but that's taking out of context the free enterprise system. The reality is if I have toilet paper and people want toilet paper, I can either limit the number of pieces somebody can buy from me, saying I got to let everybody else have it, which is my right if it's my product, um, or I can say I'm going to raise the price. What's the difference? One lets me have it if I want to spend more money, if it's valuable enough to me. The other one says you can't have it anyway. 
And so, you know, price gouging makes it sound like it's an evil thing. I might simply say I'm going to quadruple the price of toilet paper or 10 times the price of toilet paper, not because I want to get rich, but because I don't want to prevent you from getting more if you really need it, like a lockdown might be. You're only getting one of this. But I might say, you know what, um, it needs to be worth it to you to really decide to buy this. And I believe that it's a, a way to slow down without creating a dict- dictation or a dictatorial idea. You know, when you go to a store now and it says you're going to get one pack of toilet paper, why don't they just raise up the prices in a, a, a you know, price gouge? But yet, if I want to buy more than one, I certainly can. One's freer than the other, although they make it sound like one's benevolent and the other one's worse. Okay, to lock me down and say I can only buy one of something, they make that sound like that's just a benevolent thing to do. But the truth is, why not just raise the price and let me decide? Okay, let the market work. And as, if there's enough supply for something and not enough demand, prices will go down. If there's too much demand and not enough supply, people will find a way to create a greater supply, folks. You just got to be patient a little bit. Okay, but what we do is we, in a panic, want to insert ourselves with mandated realities that violate the free market system, and then we act like that's benevolence. That is a lie. The truth is, let the system work as it will, and don't call it anything but what it is. I have the right, if there's too much demand for something and not enough supply, to decide how I'm going to deal with the product that I own. If it's my product and I decide, what's wrong with my freedom to do that? The answer? Nothing. But they make you believe that I'm evil, or somehow abusive, or... Uh, hate filled. It's not true. It's worse to lock everybody down. And so I say, let the free market system work, lol. And I challenge anybody to economically argue my point. How is their point less freedom? It's not. And it's obvious to see if you articulate it correctly. Well said, Sam. And uh, for people who don't really think about economics very often, this is a very important point. It's the signal. It's the market signal. Prices rise. That attracts more product to that area. So if you have a run on toilet paper, if the price will, if is allowed to go up, say cost two bucks a roll instead of one dollar per roll, then the suppliers of toilet paper will be incentivized to to make more toilet paper. But if they're only making, you know, two or three percent, two or three cents on every roll of toilet paper, they are not have they, they won't have any more incentives to produce more of that product, which is so desperately needed in the marketplace, Sam. Here again, we find that government and their intervention in the marketplace, they make you believe that it helps, but all it does is hurts once again. And the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, if they hold my prices down and I can't make a good margin, and then they claim that I got to be able to keep my employees, so they're going to give me a handout. How does that work? Why not let my margins increase and let me keep my employees and not have government sending in handouts? Oh boy, it gets worse, doesn't it? God save the Republic. Thanks, lol. <laughs>